Today is Sunday, August 7, 2022. Today we commemorate Tisha B'Av, the 9th of Av, our National Day of Mourning. And one of the practices that we have on this day, as we are all in mourning, we are all, so to speak, sitting Shiva, we do not offer greetings. We don't say, good morning, how are you? We don't say, I hope you have a great day. Uh, the things that I would normally say to begin and to end, uh, because when we are suffering a loss, our social interactions have been damaged. They have been cut in a certain way. And so we reflect that with the absence of those readings today. One of the keynotes, the poems of lamentation that we say this morning, is one that is very, very moving to me personally. And also at a death, there is a special tune, a melody that we use for this, that to my mind, to my ear, is very evocative. And the kina starts as follows. Eish tu kad bikirbi, bahalosi alibi, b'tseisi mimitzrayim. A fire of celebration erupts within me when I recall in my heart what happened when we left Egypt. Exodus from Egypt, a moment of great joy and celebration. Kinim o'ira laman azkira b'tseisim Yerushalayim. But I will sing lamentations so that I will remember with sadness what occurred when we left Jerusalem in exile after it had been destroyed. Now, this poem plays off the similarity of these two phrases, Betsesi Mimitzrayim, when I left Egypt, so there is a uh, an exclamation of joy and celebration when I left Egypt, but say see Mirushalayim, but when I left Jerusalem, that was sadness and mourning and loss. So those two phrases sound very similar, but say see but say see And the poem goes on. Az Yashir Moshe, Shir Lo when we left Egypt, Moshe sang a great song of joy, the Az Yashir, the song of triumph after the splitting of the Red Sea. That was the celebration and the joy at leaving Egypt. But when we left Jerusalem, we left accompanied by the wailing of Yermio, Jeremiah the prophet whose words of lamentation we read last night and we quote today. So there is this contrast that goes on, and it goes through all of these stanzas. Naroch milchama v'hashem shama b'tseisi mimitzrayim. We arrayed for battle, and God was with us there when we left Egypt. Rachak mi menu. 
Mirushalayim. But God was distant from us, and God seemed not to be present when we left Jerusalem. The melody that we sing goes like this. now this parallel when we left Egypt and we, when we left Jerusalem is not just poetic in the similar sounding phrase, but but there is an inherent connection between those two events. You'll remember from the Pesach Seder, which celebrates the exodus from Egypt, we have a Seder plate of symbolic foods. And on that Seder plate, one of the items that we have is a hard-boiled roasted egg. Why is there an egg on the Seder plate? So, our rabbis teach us, Zecher Lekarban. It is a reminder of the sacrifice that would have been offered when the temple was standing. We do not have that sacrifice today, the carbon Chagiga. So in its place, we have a symbolic item, this roasted egg, that reminds us that there is something missing, this sacrifice that we do not have today. Okay, so we have a sacrifice. We don't have it anymore. We have a food to remind us of that sacrifice. But why an egg? You'll remember, of course, on the Seder plate is another food, which is a reminder of a different sacrifice, the roasted bone, a lamb shank, or the bone of another animal. That reminds us of another sacrifice, the carbon Pesach, the Paschal offering. That at least there's a, an inherent logic to it. There's a sacrifice, which was roasted meat. We do not have that sacrifice. We want a food that reminds us of that. We have a piece of roasted meat. But why, if there's a second sacrifice and we don't have it and we want a symbolic food, why choose an egg of all the foods in the world? Why choose an egg to represent the carbon? The Ramah, Rabbi Moshe Isilis, writes in the Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law, that this is a reminder of an interesting, not coincidental fact of the Jewish calendar, that every year, whatever night of the week is the Pesach Seder, the first Seder, the same night of the week, several months later, will be Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av. This past year, the first Seder was on Friday night. This year, the ninth of Av actually fell this past Friday night. Of course, because it was Shabbos, we pushed off the fast day till last night and today. But the ninth of Av was Friday night. 
it's always the same night of the week. And so we have an egg at the Passover Seder, and we have an egg, a hard-boiled egg, at the Su'uda Hamafsekes, the meal just before we begin the fast. Now, again, this year was an exception because this year was Shabbos, the before the fast started. So on Shabbos, we do not have any public forms of mourning. So therefore, the meal that we had before the fast began yesterday was a hopefully delicious, wonderful Shabbos meal. But on a normal year, the meal before the fast begins, we have a symbolic meal that contains a hard-boiled egg dipped in ashes. And the reason that that's the food that we eat before we begin the fast day is because that is the food that is served to mourners when they come home from the cemetery and begin to sit shiva to begin their period of mourning. They begin with a hard-boiled egg. So this meal called the Su'udas Havra, the condolence meal, this is the meal that is served to mourners as they begin their period of mourning, starting to sit shiva. And so when we commemorate Tisha B'Av, it is as if we are in mourning, we are beginning a period of shiva. So before it begins, we have this mourner's meal, this condolence meal. And to remind us of that connection, we have the same food, ironically, on Pesach, at the Pesach Seder, which is, after all, a day of great joy. Why an egg? Why is an egg the food that is served to mourners, the food that we eat as we usher in Tisha B'Av on a regular year? The Ramah explains that an egg, a hard-boiled egg, is a food that is served to mourners because it is round. And it reminds us of the cycle of life in that it is a fundamental Jewish belief that we live our physical lives in this world with our physical body connected to our spiritual soul there comes a moment when our physical body passes away and we replace it into the ground from whence it comes. But our soul remains alive. Our soul is connected to God. Our soul is eternal. It is purely spiritual. And it is a fundamental belief of Judaism that there will come a time in the future, in the Messianic era, when the souls of the righteous will be rejoined with their bodies, to Chiyas HaMesim, those righteous individuals will come back to life. And so when a mourner comes home from the cemetery, grieving the loss of the loved one, we begin the comfort and the consolation by saying to the mourner, in the form of the food that we served, death is not permanent. The soul is still alive and will in the future be rejoined with its body. The reason that we have the same meal before Tisha B'Av is because Tisha B'Av, the terrible tragic events that occurred on this day, are not permanent. 
the destruction of the temple is not permanent. It will be rebuilt. The destruction of Jerusalem was not permanent. It will be rebuilt. The exile of the Jewish people is not permanent. We will be gathered in again. It will come back. And that's why we have the egg. And that's why we have the mourner's meal when the mourners return from the cemetery. And that's why we eat this before Tisha begins. And that's why we have it on the Pesach Seder. To remind ourselves, we have this joy of leaving Egypt. We are going to lose what we gained by leaving Egypt to be able to go to Jerusalem. We're going to lose it. But we will get it back. The loss is not permanent. And that is expressed in the remarkable line that ends this poetic lamentation. It ends as follows. Torah usuuda uchleha chemda Torah and witnessing God's presence was what we celebrated when we left Egypt. Sasan the Simcha Venas Yagon Vanacha. And with gladness and joy, and our anguish will flee. Beshuvi Lirushalayim, when we return to Jerusalem. But say, see me, me, Sasan Vesim Ha, Venasia Gon Veanafa, Beshuvi Lirushalayim. There's a line from a remarkable novel titled After the Flood, written by Cassandra Montag. And she writes, I've lost and will lose. The room in my heart will grow with loss and not contract. I am not the shards of a broken glass, but the water let loose from it. The uncontainable thing that will not shatter and stay broken. That is the emotional journey we experience on Tisha B'Av as it unfolds today. Our sages tell us, Kol Hamis Abel al Yerushalayim ki ilu meso mutal lefanav. Whoever mourns for Jerusalem as if their, God forbid, deceased relative is lying in front of them, Zochaliras Benuyeha will merit to see it rebuilt. I want to share, please, one last remarkable story that I heard from my friend and my colleague, Rabbi Ruben Tradberks. So in Israel, there is a person known as a kablan. A kablan is translated as a contractor. So in Israel, there are all sorts of cultural associations that arise when you use the word kablan, a contractor, a builder. A kablan in Israel is rough, gruff, bossy, 
Um, a Coblin is a certain type of character. So there's a man who lives in an apartment building. He's a Coblin, and he is the stereotype of a Coblin. He's tough. He drives a pickup truck. He has a leathered face. He's an Israeli. He's a Coblin. At the same time, there's a different side to this man. He also studies Talmud every single day. And his father, an elderly gentleman who was the patriarch of his family, when he would come to visit, this man would become the most gentle, respectful son, honoring his father. And his father, at the age of 95, passed away. And this man, the Kablan, the contractor, was sitting shiva. His father, 95 years old, had been a survivor of the Holocaust. He was from Hungary. He was conscripted into the Hungarian army as a laborer. He was arrested, taken captive. He almost died. Somehow he survived the war, made Aliyah, moved to Israel, and lived the rest of his life in Israel. So as this man, this Kablan, is sitting Shiva, another man comes to visit. This man needs a little bit of background. This man, the visitor, is the Gabai of the shul, the synagogue down the street. And he has a nickname. People call him Mefaked. Mefaked means drill sergeant. That's this man's character. He's a drill sergeant. So, for example, he's the one that gives out candy to the kids. If a child should come to ask for candy, but he already had one, the drill sergeant doesn't even say a word. He just looks at him with a stare. The child runs away. He rules with an iron fist, this drill sergeant. Now, this drill sergeant, the Mafakade, his father was also Hungarian. His father also was a survivor of the war, made Aliyah, built a life. And these two men, the Kablan sitting Shiva and the Mafakade, the drill sergeant who's coming to visit him sitting Shiva, have a lot in common. And the Mafakade, the drill sergeant, is also a Kablan, is also a contractor. Okay. So the one who's sitting Shiva, it's Tishabav. It's Tishabav, he's sitting Shiva. So he says, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. It's the Thursday, it's two days before Tishabav. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. It's two days before Tishabav. So the Shiva is going to end the morning of Tishabav. So the Kablan who's sitting Shiva says to the visitor, the drill sergeant, he says, when Shiva's over, which is the morning of Tishabav, I'm going to go to my father's senior residence, which is a distance away, because my father had a lot of friends. He lived there for a number of years, and they were not able to come to visit for Shiva because it's far away and they're elderly. And I think it's the appropriate thing. I'll honor my father's memory by going to spend time and memories with the people that he was friendly with towards the end of his life. That's how I'm going to spend this Tishabav. The drill sergeant who's making the shiva call says, I go to work at 6 a.m. every Tishaba. The other Kablan says, what do you mean you go to work? It's Tishabav. Our rabbis tell us we're not supposed to do work on Tishabav. The truth is, in the morning, we're really not supposed to do work. We're supposed to be focused on mourning the destruction. In the afternoon, our rabbis tell us we are allowed to do work, but 
our rabbis tell us, lo ra simon bracha, you're not going to see any, any blessing from that work. It's better to stay in a period of mourning all day long. If you need to work, you can work, but it's not going to work out so well for you. So the one who's sitting in Shiva says, why would you go to work? You're not supposed to go to work. The drill sergeant says, I work double on Tishaba. I'm a contractor. I'm building buildings in Jerusalem. The Jerusalem of destruction is being rebuilt by me. What better way to observe Tisha B'Av than to build buildings and homes to rebuild the broken Jerusalem? I tell my workers, take off the day before, take off the day after. I don't care. But on Tisha B'Av, we start early. Tisha B'Av, you better be there at 6 a.m. Two rough men. One will spend Tisha B'Av with his father's friends, remembering his father's life, the tragedies of losing his whole family in the Holocaust, rebuilding his life in Israel. And the other will get up early, early, very, very early. And he'll quickly say the prayers he needs to say. And then he will spend the day mourning the destruction of Jerusalem by doing his part to rebuild it. Mourning and rebirth in the same breath. That is the essence of Tisha B'Av.